0: Um, tell me about what you were doing this morning. I think people might enjoy hearing about that.
1: Okay. So, um, Dojo University is this really, um, great bagpipe resource.
0: Yeah. They're not paying us any money, you know, Yeah, they're not. I'm not, I'm not
1: getting paid for this, by the way. In fact, it's quite the opposite. Um, yeah, right. It's <laughs> really great, great bagpipe resource for bagpipers of all levels. Um, and they have lots of classes lots of great instruction they get in professional top quality teachers to do sessions regularly Mm -hmm. and it's really awesome and they had this intensive program it's a six-week program (coughs) and the idea is that it's basically a bagpipe boot camp (laughs) and you do these sprints and it it's like a hyper focus on these really key areas of bagpipes that the great bagpipers have down really well. So you go through and you figure out where you are on the bagpipe continuum and you're playing and then you work from there. And it's guaranteed by the end of the six weeks that you will have improved drastically as a piper or your money back. Mm (laughs) So, um, when i saw that they were doing this i was like well you know what like i know that i have areas i seriously need to work on so i'll give it a shot so i went ahead and signed up for it and then found out later that the program sold out in 36 hours i (laughs) i was gonna take a weekend to think it over and then I yeah good thing you didn't huh i was just like man i'll just you know what i'll probably sign up so i'm just gonna sign up
0: there's a plug for impulsivity right there
1: yeah So there's 24 students in it right now. And um, we're on, we're like halfway through, I think. I don't know, it's been a blur. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But it's hours of practice on different things every day. And um, it's painful, it's grueling, it's fun, it's exhausting. um, But I've seen some really great improvements and I've also been able to really pinpoint Issues that I have. I mean, the the whole point of the program is to find and eliminate the issues that you have in your playing, and that is exactly what it is
0: doing. (laughs) That's awesome. I I, I've bought a few like course packages from the dojo, and haven't finished any of them yet. But it it is really great great material. And actually, I guess after I said that, I realized that it's actually not true. We could we we do kind of get money from dojo because we have the band has an affiliate link so that anybody who does buy stuff, like buy courses from them or sign up for a membership, uh, we get, I can't remember how much it was. Like, I think it's like a 30% kickback on membership. Oh, um, well
1: they don't, well I, I don't think that I have on there that I'm associated with Garden Valley.
0: Yeah, I think, well don't, I, I, that wasn't intended for me to make you feel guilty or anything, Vera. <laughs> I, think, I think it's just that we have an affiliate link, so anybody who accesses the dojo via our link, it puts a cookie oh. in their browser, and so then anything they buy, um, then gets kicked, gets, uh, sort of categorized as being via Garden Valley. So
1: Well, you guys aren't getting a kickback for me, sorry. Cons,
0: aren't it? <laughs> but if anybody does decide they want to do dojo stuff, be sure to check with myself or Scott, um, and we mm-hmm. can get you that link. Um,
1: and I highly recommend it, really. Um, you know, even if you've been a piper for a long time, um, it's easy to fall into a rut and i think that you know getting an outside perspective on your playing is a good idea it can be really challenging like for me i'm super embarrassed to play in front of anybody that is a good piper and knows what they're doing because i know that i have issues and so this has been um a really huge opportunity for me to um to just not uh, well, to kind of get over that. And I'm also taking lessons uh, from another piper. It's been a long time since I've taken lessons from anybody, and oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a thing. It's super embarrassing because I mess up all the time.
0: Yeah, it can be a confidence yeah, booster, funny. though, right, to go through that and be like, well, now I cleaned that up. So now I feel more confident about how I'm playing my paradiddles. Or, well, that's a drumming yeah. thing, of course, but you know what I mean.
1: Yeah, it, cause, Yeah, so I'll be playing something, and I play it really well. And then I'll go to play it at my lesson, and I screw it up completely.
0: Mm, of course. <laughs> and
1: I feel like sinking through the floor. Um, but, you know, it's a learning experience, and I need to do that. And, and it's, it's a way of, like, exercising the demons out of your playing. Mm, there you go. That's a good way, way to there. put it.
0: <laughs> you got to find them Come demons out. and sprinkle some holy water on them quick.
1: Literally, like they come out in full force as soon as you're in front of anybody who knows what they're listening <laughs> Right,
0: <to>. yep. <laughs> <laughs> the bagpipe priest is there, so the demons come out. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yep. Anyway, so there you go. Yeah, so what I was doing earlier today, um, I was recording um, playing a tune to submit to the dojo for them to evaluate and tell me everything I'm doing wrong and tell me what I've improved on and, and give me feedback for what I need to focus on for this next few days before the next sprint is due
0: yeah awesome so now Vera I do have I told you ahead of time I want to hear a very specific story from you so I (laughs) want to make sure we save time for that but before we do that Uh I want to just ask you some general some general questions some getting to know you stuff bagpipe related and otherwise Um, so first of all probably a very natural place to start what got you into playing bagpipes what sparked your interest earliest memories of bagpipes that kind of stuff
1: well, so my earliest memory of bagpipes is watching them in the parades, and they were just this overpowering, amazing sound that just really stirred up everybody. I mean, the audience goes nuts when the pipes come walking by, but then they were in bed knobs and broomsticks.
0: Ah, yes, of course.
1: <laughs> and. And when she starts, you know, doing that chant and then the bagpipe... Well, so you got all the soldiers and whatnot, you know, the armor is starting to, you know, activate.
0: Yeah, some of the coolest practical effects in all film history for sure. Seriously, so it, much was, fun to watch. it was, it
1: great. And then the bagpipe started. And as soon as the bagpipe started, it was like, oh, it's going down. Mm-hmm. Like, these guys have had it. They don't know what's cut and what they're messing with now because there's bagpipers involved, you know. It was just this incredible like just the visuals of just these bagpipes it was just so impressive to me and um later uh so my parents had a rule um you had to learn an instrument starting in third grade so between second and third grade you had to decide what instrument you were going to play and my parents had that as their idea because they believed that um Playing an instrument, especially as a child, helps you with many aspects of your life. It helps with discipline. It helps with, um, you know, giving you something to focus on and learning a skill and a a talent, something that you can be proud of, you know, as a child. It was really important to them. So it was you pick an instrument or you have to learn the piano. (laughs) And that was the threat. (laughs) and none of us wanted to learn the piano because we had (laughs) friends that were learning the piano and it looked like a nightmare yeah and um susan's mom across the street she taught piano and so my mom said you either learn piano or you're taking lessons and i didn't want to so
0: (laughs) didn't want to learn piano so you (laughs) it's like well i guess i'll do bagpipes (laughs) seriously yes
1: so i'm in second grade i am one of the shortest kids in school at the time I weighed maybe 45 pounds, so, you know, I was about the size of a bagpipe myself. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they said, "Okay, what do you want to play? Do I, have you picked an instrument? I said, yeah, I want to play the bagpipe. And my parents, oh, goodness. Um, so, from their perspective, my oldest brother, who was four years older than me, had picked the violin. Now, anybody who has been around a child who was learning a violin mm, knows painful. that that will give you migraine headaches within yeah. five minutes.
0: Yep. That's a trial for sure. <laughs>
1: oh, man. So they had had four years of violin. My next brother, who was two years old and older than me, had picked the drums.
0: <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so they had the drums, a really bad violin. And now a bagpipe?
0: You were just the next of the the <laughs> apocalyptic horsemen here of, of was, audible we're destruction.
1: Just, <laughs> we're all just one upping each other, right? There, yeah. You
0: know? <laughs> what comes next? Oh, please, not the accordion. <laughs> oh, jeez.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so um, they said no. <laughs> they said nope. You're not playing the bagpipe. We don't know where to get them. Oh we sure, don't know yeah. How to get you lessons? They're probably too expensive. We don't know anything about these instruments. No something else and I was super heartbroken and sad um, but there was um, a gal through the block that was in the bagpipe band in the high school and my mom talked to her and said she wants to play the bagpipes but she's so little she, you know and they're really expensive and they're loud and we don't know what to do and she recommended flute
0: oh sure yeah you
1: can you can transition from flute to bagpipe pretty easily <laughs> And so my mom she brought that to me. But at that point, I decided I wanted to play the harp. <laughs> mm.
0: Okay, <laughs> said, yeah, something else that's really easy to get a hold of and not expensive. Perfect. <laughs> right.
1: She said, no, again, for all the same reasons. That's too little. They're too expensive. They don't know where to get them. She said, how about the flute? I talked to this gal in the bagpipe band. She said, if you start playing the flute, that you can transition from bagpipes or two bagpipes from the flute and i said oh, okay so i settled on the flute so from third grade through eighth grade i played flute and i was like number one chair a lot and um it was so much fun but at the end of eighth grade a few things happened um my band teacher mrs erickson love her to death she's amazing
0: oh connie yeah. Yeah, I know she, Connie, she's wonderful.
1: Yeah, she got up it was like one of her last it was one of the last days of school and she said, "Okay, guys, here's the thing you need to think about. If you want to go anywhere with your instrument, you need to make sure that it is a unique instrument. Mm. If you if you think you're going to go play in a band like in a college or a university, how are you going to stand out if you're the 500 flute that they've seen that day or clarinet or saxophone? You need to stand out. So you need to play a unique instrument. You know, think of like The oboe or the bassoon or the bass clarinet or you know the bass flute you know she's throwing out all these things and I was a little annoyed because I'd spent all of these years practicing flute and I was super good at it so I was super annoyed but then my geometry teacher Mr. Smith
0: (laughs) of course he He is like the patron saint of everybody who's ever been on this podcast
1: (laughs) I know right he goes hey um we're going to start a bagpipe class down here at the junior high. And it's starting next year. And I was like, really? You don't say. Mm.
0: I see so many stars aligning for you at this point in your life here. It's the unique thing. It's now potentially an (laughs) act of rebellion against your parents as you're entering teenage years. So that's Mm -hmm. perfect as well. (laughs) It's living out a childhood dream.
1: Yep. Yep. Everything lined up. And those are all of the reasons that I was like, I'm doing bagpipes. (laughs) So I went home. I was so excited and I said hey look they're starting a bagpipe class it starts next year and I want to be in it and my parents said no (laughs) for all (laughs) the same reasons again no you're not playing the bagpipes we don't know how to get them they're too expensive we don't have money for bagpipes Mm -hmm. and I was heartbroken but my grandfather overheard Mm -hmm. that conversation and he loves the bagpipes
0: this is such th- that's, this is such an important point, Vera. I feel like if any like young aspiring piper ever happens to hear this, or if anybody can spread this information, let <laughs> children know like it's the grandparents who have the disposable income <laughs> and are very likely to be very interested in the bagpipes. So if if your parents can't do it, go one generation further.
1: Yep, exactly. So he found out because I was I was super sad, and he asked what I was sad about. I said, well, my parents say that they don't want me to play the bagpipe. And he said, if you want to learn the bagpipe, I will help you, what can I do? (laughs) And I said, well, the bagpipe is really expensive. He said, I'll make you a deal. If you want to learn the bagpipe, I will buy you your first set of bagpipes. You just pay me back when you can. And I was just so happy. My grandmother, though, was sitting next to him. Mm, Yeah. She doesn't like bagpipes. (laughs) She didn't, she was not on board. She was Mm -hmm. so upset with that idea. Anyway, so I talked to Mr. Smith and I said, I want to join the bagpipe class. My grandfather's going to support me. He says he can get me a set of bagpipes. And Don said, You don't need uh, to get bagpipes right away. You actually start on a practice chanter. And he gave me um, Helen Scott's name and number. And he said, Another wonderful person. Helen Scott. I mean, every, everybody who's been piping for a while, especially down in the Payson area, everybody is familiar with Helen. Mm -hmm. She is a wonderful lady. Yeah. So I went over to her house and picked up a Rosewood practice chanter. Ah,
0: wonderful. (laughs) A
1: a green paperback book and a cassette tape. (laughs) Nice. And I took that home and I started right that day. I was so excited. And so by the time school started three months later, I was already playing several songs. Awesome. And that was great. And Susan was in the band and um, we had so much fun. Uh, it was just a blast. The class was great. Uh, Miss Erickson, she was real mad. <laughs> she, uh, she actually pulled me out of my French class.
0: Oh, was this, had you left, left flute entirely in order to come, start playing bagpipes?
1: Yeah, I didn't have room in my schedule. I see, I see. I originally had band in my schedule, but then because of all the classes I was taking, I didn't have room for seminary. That made my parents real mad.
0: Yep, yep, yep. It's not non-negotiable.
1: Yeah, I had to drop something, and I wasn't going to drop bagpipes. (laughs)
0: Well, so, so so, what did you tell Con- What did you tell Miss Erickson? Did you tell her, "Well, this is your own fault. You told me <laughs> to I, find something original." Oh
1: my gosh, that conversation! So I'm in French class, and all of a sudden, Connie pokes her head in the door. She sees me, and she goes, "Can I speak to Vera?" <laughs> and, and my French teacher's like, "Yeah, yeah, go ahead." So I go yeah. in French, the please. <laughs> right, en <au> français. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um,
1: so I go into the hall. And she's like, hey, um, I realized that you haven't been in class this week. Now, mind you, this is like the third week of school.
0: Yes, it's been a minute.
1: (laughs) I noticed you haven't been in class this week. What's going on? Are you just sloughing or what? I said, oh, I actually haven't been in band all year. She's like, you haven't? Mm. (laughs) I said, no, um, I'm not in band this year. And she's like, why not? I'm like, well... Remember last year, at the end of the year, you said that in order to get somewhere in life playing music, you have to play a unique instrument. Well, they're offering the bagpipe class, <laughs> and I'm taking bagpipes this year. And She's like, she not that not, unique. She was not happy. Oh, she was not happy. She asked me to change my schedule around so that I could take band. Yeah. I told her I couldn't. I was like, the only class I can drop is seminary and if i do that i'm grounded for life um yeah my dad will take my cat to the pound he will (laughs) take my bird back to the pet shop um i he'll make me lose my job like these are all of the threats he gave me if i did not do seminary i'm like look i have no choice (laughs) yep 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 i will live in a prison if i do not you know if i get back into band so yeah
0: anyway so bagpipes it was it had to be Yeah.
1: (laughs) anyway so she was upset and there was nothing that i or she could do about it so that's where we was
0: i see so now i know i know vera that you you played with uh payson high school pipe band and with white peaks and i don't mean to skip over all of that i think maybe we could circle back and do another interview and it'd be a lot of fun to get more of those details but well, I want to make sure sh- I
1: never I never played with the high school pipe
0: Oh band. did you not play with it at all you just went right no. to White Peaks
1: no so um, in fact it was because of that that white Peaks came around you can thank the high school pipe band for white Peaks because what happened was they did tryouts but the tryouts ended up being a popularity contest and so oh for the high school pipe a few band of us that were that were really good players at the time. We were even on bagpipes. We had sets of pipes from the high school because they had six sets um, that were available and they asked Don to pick the pipers that he felt like was ready for bagpipes. He picked me and Corey and a few others. Uh, um, Jake, Moody, Justin Hadley, Joey Wilkinson. He might have picked Susan. I think he did. Um, He'd
0: better have. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? How dare you if you yeah. <laughs> don't. Yeah.
1: Um, anyway, so he, he picked six pipers, and we went up to the high school, and we got these bagpipes, and we had been on bagpipes for a solid four, three or four months when the high school tryouts happened. And so... Um, me and corey and and susan and we all went to try out and we knew the tunes we could sight read well um and i felt like we all did really great and then there were other pipers that tried out that were brand new to the to the pipe class that year or that semester they couldn't even play through amazing grace and they got into the high school pipe band and we were asked to give our bagpipes to them since we weren't going to be in the band. And
0: this is was, scandalous.
1: It was a really devastating moment for all of us as they were reading out the names of the pipers that made it into the band. It was it, it was just devastating. Like they this... didn't pick me. They didn't pick Corey. They didn't pick Susan.
0: I gotta say, part of, part of this is just remarkable to me because, of course, like I. When I was when I was in the high school pipe band, just sh- shortly behind you there, it was like, rarely did we have enough. You know, like mm-hmm. <laughs> enough pipers. And and I know that that's one thing that Diana struggles with right now is getting enough pipers in there. It just it, I cannot even conceive of any band, high school or otherwise, ever being like we we only want this many pipers and drummers. You know, like we're going to cut it off. Like what? What kind of mentality is that? Just get all you so, can, you know?
1: At the time, the bagpipe band was huge.
0: Yeah, so Those that's, six it's sets just, of bagpipes that's were like, their only I'm bagpipes. like hearing about a promised land, you know? I'm just like, yeah. how? what a beautiful situation to be in that, like, you have so many bagpipers, you know?
1: Yeah, well, and the high school pipe band had been maxed out for years mm-hmm. at that point. Like, they weren't worried about lo- losing numbers.
0: Were they still a part time. of the marching band program at the time, or had they split oh, yeah. to be a separate thing?
1: Oh, they were, they were part of it. They were their separate thing, but they were also part of it. Like at mm-hmm. every football game, the bagpipe band would come out. And let me tell you, every time that band would come out, it was such a big deal. And the crowd would go nuts. Because yeah. you have the marching band out there on the field doing their thing. And then they'd always reach like this crescendo part of their performance. And then the bagpipes would come in from mm-hmm. some side somewhere and would be part of it and marching down the middle and everybody would just lose it. I mean, it was a huge deal to be in the bagpipe band and somehow that changed mm-hmm. and it changed within a few years of um, of me being in high school. Uh, but yeah, like at that time, they could afford to do that. They could afford to be that picky and say, we only have six sets of bagpipes available out of the 18 sets that we have. Um, so, yeah, um, it was unfortunate. But what happened was Don, he couldn't, number one, believe who was accepted and who was not. And it made him very upset at the high school because he couldn't figure out why they picked who they did. Um, and they had admitted that they picked some of the guys because they just thought they were cute. <laughs> um,
0: well, I mean, you know. That's... <laughs> I know. Like, they wanted some
1: cute pipers in there, which is fine. I get it. But, yep, yep, you know, yep they also picked pipers who couldn't even play amazing grace on a chanter so um i mean it was no mystery what was going on um
0: well if if you'd been a if you'd been a cuter guy vera oh i know right
1: that's that's the problem right there (laughs) anyway so um they made us give our bagpipes back which really was a devastating thing um and don was sitting there like i have four excellent pipers on my hands like not you know excellent but good enough
0: off to a good start at least right
1: yeah and he got this great idea to start a band from it Mm. so he did he called up some of his old piper buddies that weren't playing anymore some of his old acquaintances and asked if they would like to be part of it and they did and then he had those of us that were new and we were all taking lessons from him anyway so I mean, it was just one more night a week, just hang out with Don and everybody else and have a blast and play. And it was so much fun. So that's how White Peaks got started. Very cool. there was actually kind of a rivalry between us and the high school pipe band for a while. But um, we knew that after a while, the high school band would kind of be a feeder band for White Peaks since we were now the non-high school pipe band in the area. Mm -hmm, You know. mm mm-hmm.
0: It's really good for any band to have a feeder program like that. My goodness, if you can have that set up, that's something to hold on to for sure. Oh yeah. Any any band can really benefit big time from that kind of situation. Yeah. Um,
1: but anyway. <laughs>
0: so there's our origin, and and I do want to hear more about other experiences and fun times you've had with with playing with pipes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I want to make absolutely sure that we have time. So <laughs> give me this sto- give me the story, Vera. the the harrowing. terrifying soul-crushing story (laughs) in all of its glory I'm just gonna sit here quietly actually I have a (laughs) I have a funeral to play today so I might start kind of getting ready while I listen but I'll be quiet (laughs) tell me the story let's hear it
1: okay so it was May of 2001 and um I was heading to, uh, to Seattle to visit one of my friends, and I was heading there with my boyfriend at the time, his name was Chris, um, and I was taking my bagpipes with me so that we could, so I could play, because I, I played everywhere and all the time. Um, and on top of that, I had a, a big scandalous secret. I was five months pregnant, and um, nobody knew. Nobody in the bad knew. My my family didn't know. Nobody knew.
0: That's a long and, time to keep that hidden. I. Well, that's impressive.
1: I, I I wasn't showing, at all. Way to go. <laughs> no. I was still wearing size zero jeans. You were
0: sucking that baby up inside your ribs.
1: Man, no, I I carry I carry back. So yeah, I didn't get very big at all. <laughs> I had to argue with the doctor about how far along I was. But at this point in time, I didn't know that I was pregnant. I thought that I might be, but I wasn't positive because I thought I'd had a miscarriage. Anyway, so I was heading to Seattle with my boyfriend and uh, we were in his car. Now I have a rule with driving other people's cars and this is what I've been saying since high school, never let your girlfriend drive your car because she'll wreck it. And I mean, I was saying it as kind of a joke but i was pretty serious about it at the same time and chris was driving a brand new 2001 hyundai tiburon i'm sorry this was the year 2000 not 2001 so he was driving a 2000 tiburon and if anybody is familiar with those it's a very aerodynamic rounded car And it had a sunroof and it had all the accessories and all the features, this thing was decked out. And um, at that time I had been driving a 1987 Volkswagen Fox. It didn't even have power steering. Um, It was a manual, which I love driving a manual. Those are wonderful vehicles. And the Tiburon was also a manual. And so yeah,
0: I'm just I'm just googling images of both vehicles right now, setting them side to side, <laughs> and if there is one major difference, it's definitely aerodynamics.
1: <laughs> the the Fox was a box on wheels.
0: <laughs> yep, the Fox is a box for sure, and that. <laughs> I, yeah. I
1: love that car. It's so ugly, but I love it, and the Tiburon was so nice.
0: <laughs> like you can just see air slip streaming around the the front end of the of that of that, the yeah. the Tiburon for sure.
1: Yeah. So. Um so we take off early in the morning and we make it to Boise and once we were in Boise uh, he says to me okay you know I'm kind of tired of driving it's your turn and I said no I'm not driving your car and he said no it'll be tight it'll be fine you can drive my car you're not going to wreck it I'm like no my rule is never let your girlfriend drive your car cuz she'll wreck it and he said no go ahead and drive it you'll be just fine it's a manual you know how to drive a manual and I'm like I drive an 87 Volkswagen with no power steering. <laughs> this is a 2000 Hyundai Tiburon. Yeah,
0: it's a different game. Yeah. Whole different like, animal. This
1: car is so new. Like, it's ridiculous. And, and, you know, it's got sports suspension and sports steering and all kinds of bells and whistles that my car can't even dream of. I mean, my car didn't even have a clock in it. <laughs> so, um, Anyway. So he convinces me there in Boise to go ahead and start driving his car. So I reluctantly did. And so we're driving along and he decides he's gonna take a nap. I was like, all right, cool. Well, um, they tend to pave the roads out there the same way that they do in Utah, where if it's a kind of a road that's not as traveled, they'll lay a bunch of gravel on it and they don't really pound it down. So I'm driving along And I go to um, change the CD in the CD player. And um, when I look back up, I have drifted to the left quite a lot.
0: Do you happen to remember what CD it was? Just so in my mind's eye, I can have a soundtrack for what's about to happen.
1: Sabotage.
0: Oh, wow. Perfect. (laughs) Perfect. Okay.
1: I I just finished listening to Dead Winter Dead, and I was putting in Wake of Magellan. So... (laughs) Um, so yeah, I, I just had in my mind, I'm like, man, I really want to listen to Wake of Magellan right now. So, um, I look up and I had drifted and at this point we were about 50 miles, um, west of Ontario, Oregon. So we had crossed into Oregon, um, just by a little bit and, um, we're going along (laughs) and, uh, I hit gravel. Uh, Well, we were on gravel when I noticed that I had drifted to the left. I wasn't quite in the emergency lane, but I was far enough to the left that I wasn't comfortable. And I was going 85 miles an hour. So I turned the wheel just a tiny bit, and it didn't respond because I was on gravel. And so I panicked, and I really turned the wheel, and I overcorrected. And that little car did a 180 on a two-lane highway um, no problems didn't <laughs> like it just whipped right around and um, we wouldn't have rolled except that I hit a lip of dirt off the side of the road hit that lip of dirt and that car flipped and we rolled three times um, and I was sitting there holding the steering wheel
0: when wait, wait I did your boyfriend out. wake up like mid-flip or was he Get oh yeah, he
1: woke up mid-flip.
0: Good heavens.
1: It was super loud. Um, it sounded like a train was rolling over us. And I was holding the steering wheel and I was seeing, you know, out the out the windshield and I was seeing sky ground, sky ground, sky ground. And I was even saying that to myself and I said, "Oh my gosh, he's going to kill me." <laughs> you know. <laughs>
0: at that point, <laughs> at All that of time, it's <laughs> going
1: through my head and we haven't even stopped rolling yet. And meanwhile, Chris is going, ah! <laughs> And like yeah, of waving course. his arms around um which was good he caught all of the glass that was flying around turns oh. out
0: <laughs> so none of it had to get to you that's perfect he absorbed it all yeah
1: so we landed upright on a fence off the road it was easily 30 40 feet off of the road we landed on a fence and the car had stopped rolling and um i just kind of sat there holding the steering wheel and i slowly looked over to chris and he was just kind of sitting there dazed. And he looks over at me and he goes, well, at least we're not dead. <laughs> and he goes looking to at open the glass his... half full. Yeah. He goes to open his door and his door won't open. And I'd reach out. I turned off the car at that point. The car was still on. It wasn't moving. The wheels weren't going. But the car was on. So I turned off the car. And um, Chris climbed out of the sunroof, well, what used to be the sunroof. and I kind of sat in the car for a minute like man that just happened like I totally wrecked his car yeah but he didn't yell at me (laughs) so I climbed out well I opened up my door my door worked fine but um, I also sat there and I looked for a second out at the inside of the car and it was very interesting the windshield on his side was completely shattered and caving in on my side it wasn't even cracked the uh, sunroof was gone his passenger window was gone the window directly behind that this tiny little triangle window was gone the entire back windshield was gone but my window like my driver's side window and the little triangle window right behind me was still there the um, the uh, side mirror um, on my side was crumpled down um, on his side, it was completely gone. Um, we both had tongue rings, and uh, they were sitting in the middle console, and there was a napkin sitting on them, along with some of our jewelry. Um, he had some earrings, and I had some rings, and he had some rings. We had all of our jewelry sitting in this center console.
0: Now, now you you'd taken the tongue rings out yourself, right? They hadn't been... Like, oh
1: yeah yeah we took those out ourselves okay i was like wait
0: wait just like the crazy yeah. rolling of the car your tongue rings had flown out and they'd landed that, together
1: that would have been crazy no we had taken them out because we stopped when we stopped in boise we got something to eat and so we took our tongue rings out while we were eating and we had just set them in the middle console and we hadn't put them back in yet i see yeah because um, i mean sometimes if you're eating and you have a tongue ring in and both of ours were surgical steel If you bite on those, they can break your teeth. Oh,
0: yeah, I'd imagine. So we
1: were both in the habit of taking the tongue ring out while eating so that we weren't in danger of breaking our teeth. (laughs) Anyway, so the napkin was still sitting there and all of our jewelry was still sitting under that. And anybody who's been in a Tiburon, you know, it's a really small car. There is less than six inches between you and the passenger when you're the driver. And so that little console between us was really small, but everything was still sitting there. I wasn't wearing shoes. Um, like I had taken my shoes off and they were just sitting down by the seat, kind of almost under it in a way. They were still sitting there. Huh. Um, and then on top of that, looking at Chris, he had glass in his face
0: mm.
1: and all down his, his left arm especially his shirt was shredded on the left side um like from his chest over was shredded and he was bleeding and there was glass in his arm and glass in his hand and glass in his other hand and um i was just like oh my gosh you know he's bleeding (laughs) but then i looked at myself i had one tiny nick on my right hand. And I still have the little scar. Anybody who wants to see it, I can I'll show it to you if if anybody, you know, listens to this and wants to see the scar. It's about a sixteenth of an inch long. And it's by my knuckle. And that's it. That's all I had. Just a tiny little baby scar. Yeah. One tiny scar. And I'd already stopped bleeding. Like it didn't even bleed long enough for like a full drop of blood to happen. (laughs) Um anyway So after I turned off the car and Chris had climbed out of the sunroof and he started walking up to the road, um, I got out of the car and this trucker that was driving eastbound had seen the accident and he was out of his truck and he was hauling over to us as fast as he could. And he could not believe that we were alive. He said that he had seen accidents that were less severe than that and nobody walked away. Oh, and the airbags didn't even go off by the way. (laughs) Really? Yep, because all the damage happened to the side panels, none to the, the front panels where those sensors are. <coughs> so um, got out of the car, and, and Chris had managed to make it up to the road, and uh, some good Samaritans had stopped, and an ambulance was on the way. The police were on the way, and, I mean, there wasn't a whole lot to do. Chris was up at the road. He'd gone into shock, and so he was sitting on a blanket, and there were people around him. And there was nothing I could really do, so I started collecting our stuff that had flown out of the vehicle, because we had a bunch of you know we were heading to um, Seattle to spend like a week there, so we had bags and stuff, and I had a I had a duffel bag, and he had a duffel bag. We both had backpacks. We both had things. So I'm walking around collecting up our stuff, and
0: um, and and let me just pause you very. All of the story has been good and and terrifying, you know, riveting so far. But this is the part where my palms really start to sweat.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because my bagpipes were in the car. (laughs) They were in the back on top of the duffel bag. So I'm walking around collecting stuff and the police show up and I talk to them. Well, they come down and they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm collecting up our stuff. They're like, our stuff you were in that car? I'm like, yeah, I was the driver. And they sat there looking at me, and they're like, no, there's no way you were in that car. I'm like, yeah, I I was driving the car when it crashed. And they look at Chris. You know, he's up at the road laying down with the ambulance at this point. Yeah, and
0: even you mentioned it's his left arm that's all ripped up. You'd think he would be sitting in the driver's seat.
1: Well, not only that, but you would assume that I would have injuries on my right side.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: There's six inches between us and he's torn up and I have one scratch and that's all I could show him. I'm like right there, see? <laughs> and they could not believe that I had been in that wreck. I was 100% alert. I hadn't gone into shock. I was completely coherent. I was calm. I was able to talk to them. I was even joking with them. And I'm like, yeah, I'm just collecting up our stuff because it's kind of flown everywhere. And they're like, oh, okay. So I continued to collect stuff while they're kind of processing the scene. And I'd found our duffel bags. I'd found our backpacks. And I just, I hadn't found those bagpipes yet. And then I looked over and I could see this kind of black, crumpled plastic case. No. Now... Those of us who were pipers in the early and mid-90s are familiar with this black case. It is um, a black <clears throat> plastic polycarbonate case with, like, a diamond on it on both sides.
0: Yeah, and it's got, like, the kind of alligator skin thing going on. Yeah. yeah I've got and a case b- like that.
1: It's big, too. I yeah. mean, it's, like, two and a half feet long and, like, a foot and a half tall and, like, probably eight inches Wide, you know. I mean, this—it's a hefty case, and I mean, you know, it's, it holds backpipes. Anyway, I saw it, and it wasn't—it didn't look good. It—it—it it, um, it wasn't a flat case anymore. It was crunched down. It—it it looked like the car. It looked like it had actually flown out of the car and landed upright, and that the car had landed on top of it and then continued rolling. Is what it looked like happened. Mm. Um, because it, it was accordioned down. <laughs> um and I just stopped and my heart sank. And I walked over to that, that case and I opened it up and sorry, I still get emotional. I opened up that case and my pipes were in so many pieces and I didn't know what to do and like I I basically lost it. I started crying and then The police came over (laughs) and they saw that i was crying and they said oh no no it's okay it's okay um you have car insurance you know on your car i said that's not it that's not why i'm crying and they said oh well your boyfriend's gonna be just fine you know we've got the ambulance here
0: and you're like forget my boyfriend
1: i know (laughs) he's like he's coming out of shock and i said that's not it either and they're like well why are you crying And I pointed at my case and I said, my bagpipes, and they all looked down and they go, your bagpipes. Turns (laughs) out that police band or that police agency had a bagpipe band.
0: So they they were feeling your pain.
1: Yeah. And we all sat there crying over my bagpipes.
0: So it's such a it's so silly, but also so beautiful, you know, like after this terrible accident and they're like, no, everything's gonna be fine. And you're like, you're walking around okay and everything. But then this is the moment when the solidarity comes and everybody's yep. like, no, tragedy has struck.
1: Yep. And they helped me like collect up some of the pieces. They helped me make sure everything was in the case. They helped me carry the case cause it didn't close anymore. And they gingerly put my bagpipes in the back of their police car, like in the trunk. <laughs> Um, and, I mean, my, my practice chanter, I had two practice chanters in there. They both survived. I have both of those still. Mm-hmm. Um, this amazing adjustable blow stick that Don had manufactured. He designed and manufactured these incredible blow sticks that are adjustable. That survived. But every, every drone was snapped at the tuning pins. Oh, man.
0: Do you remember what kind of pipes these were?
1: They were booth.
0: Yeah, I, I play some David booths as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, not only were they booth, but they were the set that my grandfather bought me.
0: Yeah, so they've got additional sentimental yeah. value too.
1: Um, and it, it was heartbreaking. And my uh, my Blackwood Chanter.
0: Oh no, that's terrible.
1: It had split, <laughs> it snapped at the neck, And then it had this big crack running down it, and I still have it. If anybody wants to see it,
0: that's I was gonna ask you if you'd saved any other pieces.
1: Yeah, yeah, I tried playing on it, but it's it's got extra holes in it, so (laughs) right, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so they took us back to the police station, and um, I didn't let those pipes out of my sight. I just carried that broken case with me everywhere, and the, the police they felt so bad everybody's just like no and a lot of them were like can i see the bagpipes and i'd show them and they'd be like no No, yeah my boyfriend's cut up and bleeding yeah
0: nobody's paying any attention to him
1: (laughs) (laughs) but you know it's the bagpipes we're all worried about um but and and i told them i'm like bones heal i don't care you know if i broke every bone in my body i don't care bones heal bagpipes don't
0: yeah if only
1: (laughs) so um yeah, basically, yeah, that's, that's my broken bagpipes story. Um, yeah, they never... Uh, they, so, Don tried to repair them, and he got them so that they could play, but they weren't playing very well. Yeah. Unfortunately, the pipes don't exist anymore.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, what I have left of them now is my original blowstick, st- and I have my Blackwood chanter that was broken, and I have my blow stick, the adjustable blow stick that were in the, that was yeah. in them at the time. but yeah, everything else gone.
0: do you uh, what what kind of pipes do you play now?: I'm on booth. <laughs> oh great. Well, if it ain't broke, don't fix well uh, that saying doesn't really work in this case, does it? Uh, right. <laughs> more like even if it's broke, don't fix it, right? Just get, yeah, stick with what's in this good.
1: Case, when they're when they're broken that bad yeah they're just beyond saving and at that point what i should have done with them was probably just glued them back together and just had them
0: just to have oh sure just to have just, them maybe put them on display or something
1: yeah just to have my set of pipes but i mean all the um the imitation ivory all of that was broken up real mm. bad <laughs>
0: yeah you'd have was, to you'd have to spend as much money as you'd probably have to spend more money than a new set of pipes to get oh, yeah. something like that fixed so
1: yeah fixing those would have cost more than like the most expensive set of bagpipes in the world mm-hmm. <laughs> so the value at that point is only sentimental yeah but
0: I'm happy to know that you have like the the chanter though, and, and the blowpipe <laughs> and stuff. You still have these little pieces to remember. <laughs>
1: oh yeah, yeah. I'll have to bring them and show you. I used to carry them with me in my pipe case all the time. Yeah. But they're uh, they're sitting up on my dresser right now. Mm. But, yep. Um. But yeah. So after that. Um, Don was able to get me another set of booth pipes an even better set. Mm-hmm. So the, the ones that got broken were the, um, the beginner pipes. They were $850. He got me the nice set, um, that was 1350. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it was a huge step up, which was really great. Um, I mean, I, I miss my original pipes dearly. <laughs> I yeah, never of course. I'm over losing yeah. them. <clears throat> but, um, my my pipes that i have now i love them <clears throat> yeah. and they're amazing so
0: wow well i am glad that you're okay vera of course of course <laughs> i am glad that you were okay through this accident but what a what a story thank you for being willing to share it with all of us yeah. <laughs> and yeah. i'm not sure what the moral is to draw from this other than cherish your pipes while you have them oil them uh, uh, the uh, season is... your bag <laughs>
1: The moral is: don't let your girlfriend drive your car. <laughs> That's right. Cause she'll wreck it.
0: <laughs>
1: and if your girlfriend is driving the car, don't have bagpipes in the car.
0: <laughs> right, right, yeah. She'll wreck it, and your your bagpipes will get, will get, get
1: ruined. <laughs> <laughs> That's the moral of the story, kids.